Well, good morning. How is everybody? Do you remember who I am? I know it's been a while. You know, it's been a few weeks, but I promise you I haven't been sitting in front of the TV for the last three weeks. Uh, I've been going a lot of different places, but good to see you. Thanks for coming on out. And uh, we are right in the middle of a teaching series called Prayer Changes Things. And we're talking about prayer and trying to share some encouraging stories, but also uh, hopefully we can bring some purpose and focus and value behind what we're praying. And so uh, in order to do that, I'm going to open up with one more word of prayer just so I don't fumble and bumble this and ramble and we can get focused and get down to business. Amen. Jesus, thank you for this morning. I pray now that Lord, many of us at this part of the service were tempted to space out. This is like check Facebook time, uh, check our apps time. Lord, I pray you'd help us say no, no, put that away. To dial in, get focused and say, you know what? These scriptures are going to be up on the screen. I'm going to read them. These stories, I'm going to listen to them. These truths, I'm going to consider them. I'm going to feed my soul, not just escape. So this morning, God, Open our ears and our hearts to what you would have to say. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Years ago, there was a Chinese missionary by the name of Watchman Nee. Anybody remember him? About quite a few years ago now. And he was a Chinese pastor who did a lot of missions to the South China region and the South China Islands. And this was long before any Christian missionaries that ever made it there. So these are communities that had never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Watchman Nee himself often admitted he, uh, his ministry rarely taught uh, the whole Bible because so many times he was going into areas that had no experience with Christianity. It was often teaching the raw gospel. John 3.16 and a few other of the verses. On one particular mission, he went to an island in the South China Sea. And he writes here in his book, Sit, Walk, Stand, that the preaching seemed quite fruitless on the island. And as he began to ask questions, he discovered that the people there were dedicated to an idol called Tawang. And this idol... They had a car and it would drive around the island and they would worship and bow down in front of this idol. Whenever the car came by, they would worship and bow down in front of this idol. And they warned him, the idol might do something to you if you try to bring another religion into this island. For our idol is very powerful. Pastor Nee smiled. He said, oh, I am so excited. I get, Jesus, we get to take on an idol on this island. I can't wait. I can't wait for to see what God is going to do here because God is in the business of idol smashing. Amen. And so, he began to inquire about Tawang. The people were convinced of the power of this idol because on the day of his festival, which was in the rainy season in January, each year the weather was near perfect. 
Year after year after year, it would be raining and raining and raining, and all of a sudden the skies would clear and it would be perfect weather around the island. They could see storms everywhere else, perfect weather on the island. So they believed that Tawang was a weather idol and controlled the fertility of the crops and the waters and everything else. So Pastor Nee, he asked, what is the day of the year in which the whole island comes out in procession to worship this idol? And the elders replied, it is January 8th at 8 in the morning. Pastor Nee said, then I promise you that on, I'm sorry, it's January 11th at 8 in the morning. Pastor Nee said, then I promise you it will certainly rain on the 11th. The elders said, that's crazy. It's nuts. It doesn't rain on that day. The idol holds back all the storms, and it's always clear and always beautiful. Pastor Nee began to share Jesus as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, as more powerful than the idol that had cast a spell over this tiny island in the South China Sea. The elders were indignant. They said, we have heard enough. And they said, no more preaching. Pastor Nee said, okay, I'll see you on the 11th. On January 11th, he woke up, and to his discouragement, it was a beautiful day. And he walked over where all the worshipers were, and he knew this was now or never. This was life or death. And he lifted his hands in the midst of the worshipers. And he said, Lord Jesus, I seek to bring you glory and the glory of your name. I command now in the name of Jesus Christ, rain, rain. Within about 15 minutes, such a torrential rain began to downpour that many of the people were in confusion and they were running for cover for trees or lean-tos. The elders of the church were furious. So they went to the car and they brought out the actual idol and they were hoisting the idol and they were praying to the idol to stop the rain. And as they were praying louder and louder and louder and more furiously, the men who were holding the idol, they slipped. The idol fell and the jaw of the idol was broken off as well as its arms. They were horrified. Their idol had been desecrated and defiled. It was never supposed to touch the ground, much less break. After that day, many of the people who took shelter went to Pastor Nee and they said, we believe your God is the true God. We want to know more about Jesus. But the elders came back and said, you know what? We got the day wrong. It wasn't the 11th. No, it was supposed to be on the 14th. The 14th will be a very clear day, and that is the day that we will do our divination. Pastor Nee's reply to the elders, you can pick any day of the year, any time of the day, and we can do this as many times as you want. Jesus will always have the victory. Sure enough, on the 14th, it started a lot like the 11th. A beautiful day. 
and the elders were feeling quite confident in the power of Tawang, the idol in this South China Island, until they saw from a distance Pastor Ni walking toward the worshipers. The elders were trying to command the people, don't let him come, don't let him come. But the people were smart enough to recognize, no, wait a minute. If the idol truly has power, the idol can take care of Pastor Ni. We don't have to. We will stand back, and if Pastor Ni can command it to reign in the name of Jesus, then we will know his God is the true God, and the idol is the deceiver. And sure enough, just before he reached the crowd, he lifted his hands. The elders bowed their head and began to shake. And he said, to bring glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ, I now command it to reign. And sure enough, out of nowhere, within 15 minutes, a torrential rain began to fall. And all of the island, including the elders, came to Pastor Nee. And they said, okay, your God is the true God. We believe. And he recorded this statement that they said. They said, the idol that we have cannot match this kind of power and glory. Now that is what people really want to hear today. I mean, when you talk about Jesus, let's face it, there's a lot of great things you can talk about. Jesus loves you. That's great. Who doesn't want to be loved, you know? Jesus forgives you. That's great. Who doesn't want to be forgiven, you know? Uh, Jesus wants to bless you. Man, who doesn't want to be blessed, you know? When you start talking uh, to people about church and Jesus, there's a lot of positive, wonderful things that people can just feel good about. They can feel warm about. They can feel a lot of warm, fuzzy feelings about. But at the end of the day, those feelings alone won't see people through the hard times. At the end of the day, the question on most people's mind is, does Christianity work? Does it work? Is it a bunch of words? I mean, anybody can have nice, hope-filled, flattering words, even me. Does it work? Does it work like that? That's what the young people always ask me. When I go to youth group, Tom, I, I, I want to believe, I want to follow Jesus. I just want to make sure this works because I've been handed a bunch of things by a bunch of people and a bunch of different philosophies. I just want to know, is Jesus going to be there for me when I need him? You know what my answer to that is? Jesus will be the best friend you ever have. We just have to understand one thing. We have believed a lie that we are the center of our universe. And until you overcome that lie, we'll never understand Jesus. Jesus will love you, Jesus will bless you, Jesus will forgive you, but Jesus will not stop being Jesus. He is the center of the universe. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He has all power, and it is him we live to glorify. It is his kingdom we seek to build, not our own. That's not to say God won't sow into our kingdom, but God sows into our kingdom so that we can even more sow into his. When people say, man, I wish God would give me more money, I say, why? Oh, because I'd like to get this and this and this and this. I say, well, okay, I understand the stuff. But if God gives you more money, how do other people get blessed through that? Until you can answer that question, I don't even know if you should pray for more money. You know what I'm saying? Because we often have these headphones on that are constantly blaring, you are the center of your universe. 
Your happiness is the chief end of your life. Your success is all you should think about. It's like a droning voice that every day we wake up and it just beats in our brains. What I love about Pastor Dean was his prayer. So that the name of Jesus Christ would be glorified, I command it to reign. I'll be honest with you, if it were me, in my heart I'd probably think this, so that they would all think Tom Nackey is a powerful dude. God, I want you to reign right now. I mean, come on. It's so, it'd be so easy to twist that motive. God, I'm on this island. They worship an idol. I want them to all think I am the greatest thing since cottage cheese. Make it rain and watch how they worship me. You know what I mean? We have that. And I love what Pastor Nee said. God, so that the name of Jesus will be glorified, I command it to reign. See, when you're living for God's glory, it's amazing how you're willing to command things. God, so that you would be glorified, I command this thing to happen. It may or may not, but there's still a confidence behind our prayers when we begin to have our prayers be more about God's glory and building his kingdom than just kind of treating God like Santa Claus. You ever have that where God can kind of sometimes be like Santa Claus? He's the guy, the big guy with magical powers, and we send him a list, and hopefully we get stuff on that list. And for so many of us, that's our view of God. This kind of this big, you know, uh, magical being in the sky we kind of ask and try to get stuff from. And you know what that is? You are the center of your universe. Your happiness is the chief end of your, that's all that is. God's not Santa Claus. God is God. And when we pray and seek God's glory, everybody wins. People sometimes ask me, Tom, is there a right way to pray and a wrong way to pray? Well, in some senses, no. There's no wrong way to play, pray. You can just kind of spill it all out there and God will make sift through and make sense of what's happening. But I will submit to you, there also is a right way to pray. When God's glory is the chief end of your prayers, that is always the right way to pray. The best answer God can give to all of our prayers is the answer that brings him the most glory. Because when God gets the glory... Everybody wins. Everybody wins. And now some of you have asked me, well, what is God's glory? Well, I have a little slide here because it's sometimes a hard thing to explain, but it's the majesty, honor, and power that makes up God's nature, his invisible identity, his holiness, his grace, his kindness, his mercy, his love. They're all a part of God's glory, but if you had to dumb it down to one phrase, it's his powerful presence. God, I want to experience your powerful presence here and now in my world. And God, that's, that's I'm praying, but I'm praying, and I want to experience that powerful presence in my life. Now, for some of you, you're like, ah, man, that powerful presence, you don't know me. You don't know my past. You don't know where I've been. If you have not understood it by now through the first hour here being at the church 
God forgives, heals, and is over our past. You know what God does with our sin? He sends it as far away as the east is from the west, right? We are far more hung up over our past than God is, you know? You may have lied or last year. You may have cheated five years ago. That's last year, and that's five years ago. That's, that's not right now. And so God is calling us to enjoy his presence, to know that though we can't see him, though we can't touch him, though we can't hug him, he is closer to you than anybody else in this room right now. He's in your heart. He's in your thoughts. He's all around you. He's on Pluto. He's God. We dwell within his presence. We dwell within his spirit. The Bible says, where can I go where God is not? If I go to the depths of hell, you're there. If I go to the highest heavens, you're there. I go to the east, you're still there. We dwell within God. He is never far. All the electrons that are spinning around right now, you know what keeps them in place? The power of God. All the molecules, the power of God. I know some of you think it's gravity. But what about things that are in outer space? They have no gravity. They still hold together. Why? The power of God. We dwell within his presence. So whenever our prayers, the best answer God could give to any of our prayers is the answer that brings him the most glory. Why? Because then everybody wins. Everybody wins. I want to go ahead and skip down to uh, some of the scriptures here. In John chapter 11, verses 3 to 5, Jesus has a good friend. His name is Lazarus. And he has two, and, and his sisters are his friends too. And his sisters send word to Jesus. They say, Jesus, Lazarus is really sick. And, uh, and Jesus finds out and deliberately stays where he's at for a couple more days. And, the, and his, the apostles are going, Jesus, we need to get going. We need to run. We need to freak out. We need to get there now. And Jesus says, no, we're going to stay. And they just don't understand. And so finally, he says to his disciples, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. It is for God's glory. In 2 Thessalonians verse 1, Paul says, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you that God may make you worthy of his calling, that the po- by his power he may bring fruition to your every desire for goodness and your every dese- deed prompted by faith. We pray this so that what? The name of Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. Think about your prayers. Do you ever pray like Pastor Watchman Nee prayed? God, so that you may be glorified, I ask you for this. God, so that you may be glorified, I need this. And I don't know about you, that's actually a new revelation to me. Because I'm often like, God, I'm freaking out right now. I really need you to do this now. God, I'm broken, I'm hungry, and I really need you to do this now. I'm not thinking about your glory. I'm thinking about my stomach. I'm not thinking about your glory. I'm thinking about my heart. I'm not thinking about your glory. I'm thinking about all these things. That's so often we approach in that frantic sense. And I'm sure Pastor Nee had that same temptation. God, if you don't do this, <laughs> they're going to cut my head off <laughs> and probably eat me. So, you know, I mean, this, this was, but it wasn't that all. God, 
that you may be glorified. I ask for this. The best answer to any prayer is always the answer that brings God the most glory. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, 11. Verse 10, it says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Has God gifted you? He's gifted you to serve others. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, let them do as though they were speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, let them do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. And what does Peter say? To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. John chapter 14, verse 13, final example from Scripture. Jesus says, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that my Father may be glorified. Think about perhaps your prayer life for a moment. Maybe you don't have one at all. Maybe you have an active one. Maybe you have a come see, come saw one. Think about it for a moment. Have you ever considered that the prayers that Jesus wants to answer are the prayers that are going to bring God the most glory? Now listen, for us, let me tell you why that's a hard sentence. We feel like sometimes our needs and our feelings are higher on the priority list than God's glory. And we do that because we're broken people, we're needy people, we're people with a past, like I've been talking about, we're people with issues of abandonment and abuse, and those things, they just throw our every reaction to our soul and spirit and personality, they're just so deeply embedded there. God's working, trying to get those things out. But when we think, wait a minute, God, you have enough glory. All right, God, you're glorified. All right, I need to be healed. Okay, God, you're glorified. This dope I married to needs to change. Okay, God, great. Be glorified. All that glory is wonderful, but I need a better job. I need a promotion. I need a, you know, we can get like that very quickly. And what happens? We go back to, you are the center of the universe. Your happiness is the chief end of your life. And once we get there, I'll tell you what's happening. We're following a lie. We're following a lie that will never come true. Nobody here will ever be the center of the universe. That's not why we were created. That's not our purpose. Our purpose as human beings made in the image of God is what? To give God glory. When we pray with that purpose in mind, you will see more answers to prayer. You will understand why certain things aren't answered. Now, I did have somebody ask even after the service, you know, Tom, is God glorified in everything? No. There are many things that happen on this planet that God never intended to have happen. Death. We were never intended to die. Death was not something God ever had for us depression, anxiety, suffering. These things don't somehow bring God glory. They're part of the, 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 what God wants us to redeem us from, part of how God wants to heal us. So I'm not, I, don't want, I don't want you to walk away saying, oh, I guess everything is to bring God's glory. No. Uh, talking to somebody last week, you know, 
They've been praying about something and it hasn't happened yet and they said it must be God's will that this is happening because he hasn't fixed it. Man, when they said it, I said, everything in here is screaming no. And it's not God's will. It's not, it's not what God wanted. God's not sitting up there going, it is my will you suffer and you are punished. It is my will that this person was taken from you. It is my will that, that, that is not the God of the Bible. I've read it cover to cover. I have really investigated this guy. It's glorious. And from the tragedies, for reasons higher than me, as to why some of these tragedies happen, I know this. The will of God is to redeem us and heal us through the challenges. Not always remove everyone. In short, prayer is about Him, not us. When we trust that he knows what we need better than what we know what we need, we will never cease to pray that God be glorified in all we ask, say, think, or do. Amen? So let me give you five, real quickly, five ways in which God answers prayer. And hopefully, if you turn your, if you have came here, you have a sheet in your bulletin. If you flip it over, you'll find you can write these answers in. I'd like you to write these answers, take it home, and think about it a little bit. See the wisdom in some of this stuff and know that every time we pray, there is an answer, even if that answer is no or wait, there is an answer. The first answer, sometimes God says, yes, the time is now. Oh, how many of us wish that that were the answer almost every time we ask him something, right? Yes, you got it. But you know, I could probably count the times on two hands where I prayed for something and boom, in the next second it happened. One time, the first time this ever happened, I had just uh, become a Christian. I became a Christian later in life. So I wasn't a Christian before I became one. And, and uh, I was living in a foreign country in the Middle East, in Egypt. And I was in high school and I had a car and I was out joyriding in the desert with my car. And this was like Tokyo Drift. You know, I'm, I've got a... F- a car that seats about five teenagers and I think I had eight stuffed in there like four boys four girls and I'm just driving around they're all flopping everywhere you know and and I'm just I think it's the greatest thing you know I'm on the desert and I'm I'm having so much fun it's getting dark but ah who cares you know you're teenagers you don't think about that kind of stuff and just driving and driving down until all of a sudden bam there's a roadblock there's two military vehicles and there's soldiers that begin to surround my car now we had heard stories that foreigners who sort of drive out of the city and into the desert and stuff, they disappear and they are never seen again. When the lead soldier asked for all of our wallets and all of our passports, my first thought was, this is it. They're going to kill us. They're going to steal the car and we're just going to disappear, you know? And, And so, I mean... The rest of the car, they didn't appreciate the gravity of the situation. They just thought, you know, it was no big deal. But I could, I'm a good reader of body language, and I'm looking around at all this. These are real soldiers with real guns. We had real money in those wallets, you know. I'm like, 
I'm like, oh, this is not good. I could just feel it. This is not, we are, this is not, this is it. This is it. And I, I, I'm, I, don't, I can't remember if I told him to be quiet or not, but I just grabbed, I can remember this like it was yesterday. I grabbed the steering wheel and I just said, Lord Jesus, I need you to rescue us now. Now, I was the only Christian in the car. And I think they were all like in shell shock when I said that. They could see how, Lord Jesus, I need you to save us now. And then out of nowhere, this car pulls up. This guy gets out, older Egyptian guy. He starts yelling at all the soldiers. He grabs all the wallets, grabs all the passports, gives them to me actually kind of throws him at me orders his men to uh, to release the road you know to, to unblock the road and i remember he said go <laughs> he did not need to say that <laughs> i had already had my foot on the gas by the time you know we drive out of there and i we're driving back in the city i finally get into the outer suburb it's a development where these houses were being built i get to an I get out of the car. I get all of them out of the car. I line them up on the car. I said, we need to pray. You need to get on your knees and receive Jesus right now, you know? I mean, I'm just like preaching to all my friends. I'm like, do you realize what just happened here? We just got spared. Because there are going to be times in your life, just like Watchman Nee. God, I need you to do this, and I need you to do it now. So that's a, You get those. You do get those. Where God says yes, and the time is now. Number two, sometimes God says yes, but in due time. But in due time. When, uh, when Tony and I were first married, you know, we waited a few years to have children, and then all of a sudden, we wanted to have children. And you know what's funny about that? It's interesting. When you don't try to have children, like if you're in high school or whatever, you're thinking to yourself, oh, I hope I don't get so many parties. But when you're married and you're like, I want to have a child now. Why does it take so long? You know? So month after month after month starts going. You're like, what in the world? Why can't we conceive? And I, it didn't take us forever, but it took us long enough where I look back now and I say, you know what? The three kids that God gave us in a row. I'm a big fan of birth spacing now. So anybody, if you think about having kids, stick between at least three years between them. You don't want a seventh, eighth, and ninth grader like we have. But, but I look at those three kids now and I think, those were the kids. Th- those were the ones. I don't know how it all works, but that moment in time, we need to be patient because those were the three that were supposed to be there. So sometimes God says yes right now. Sometimes God says yes, but in due time. Sometimes God will say yes, but so you'll learn a lesson. I, when I lived in Washington, my wife can tell you, all I ever wanted was a hot tub because it's so cold up there. It's so dreary up there. I know for some of you, like moving to the Northwest, that's like paradise. 
it's not. Let me tell you, it's really not. You know, it's a hard place to live in the Northwest. But, but one thing I thought that would make it easier for me was if I had a hot tub. Well, I was a youth pastor living on a very small salary, so there was no way I was going to get a hot tub. So I kept asking, God, give me a hot tub. God, God, God I'm just praying right now. You're the God that owns a cattle on a thousand hills. You can give me a hot tub, you know. And one day I get a call, and they're like, hey, we're, mo- we're helping this guy move. Would you come and help? And then when I came up, I saw he had a hot tub in his backyard. I said, are we moving that? He goes, yep, I'm getting rid of that thing. The way he said it should have tipped me off. But it didn't. All I saw was hot tub. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, God, thank you for answering my prayer. (laughs) And my wife can tell you, we brought that hot tub home. It was such a burden. I mean, setting it up, fixing it, keeping it running. I mean, it, it just, I, and I remember walking away going, you know what? I think God said yes, but you're going to learn a lesson through this. I wanted it so badly, I was blinded to everything else. God said, you know what? It's just like when Israel asked for a king. Okay, Israel, you want a king? I'm going to give you a king, but you're going to learn a lesson from this. You're going to learn that you don't really want human kings. You want Jesus to be king. Amen. So the third thing is sometimes God says yes, so you'll learn a lesson. The fourth one is one of the ones we don't want to hear. Sometimes God says no, but your heart's not right yet. We had a dear friend, uh, a young lady who worked with us in our last church, and she was convinced that this one guy that she liked and was dating was going to be her husband. And, uh, and so and she was, you know, we, we need to get this marriage going. I'm not getting any younger, not, you know, and, and something about it in his heart, our, you know, we all talk, and it was just like, no, I just don't think it's going to happen. And I remember how devastated she was. And it was a good two or three years. And she walked away and she let him go. And all of a sudden, two or three years later, God re-puts it back in her heart. That man's going to be your husband. God puts it in his heart. And they, they got married. They're great friends with us today. You may ask, well, why does God do that? Why does God sometimes say no? Because sometimes our heart's not right, and he's doing some stuff in us that even though what we want is for us eventually, it's a bit of a wait because God's doing stuff. And when you get it later on down the road, you're a little older, you're more mature, you've grown a little bit, you're going to receive it in a much better state of life. So sometimes God's knows are really weights. He's saying your heart's not right yet. And then finally, sometimes God says, no, trust me, I have a better plan. How many of you, you answer God's prayers for you? How many of you, you don't really pray to God. You give God the answers to the prayers that you already want. You know, God, I need, and you spell it out, a 1967 cherry red. Uh, you know what I mean? It's just like, you know, you just spell it all out. That's answering the prayer for God. Sometimes God's going to say, no, I got something better for you. Now, that's not to make light. As some of us here have had some great tragedies things that we're dealing with. This can almost sound a little unapplicable if you're in the midst of deep pain. But if I can tell you anything, I can tell you this. I and many people in this church are no stranger to pain. 
I buried one of my best friends last week. And his death has been very hard for me to bear. And I won't say much more on it because I will just start crying. Because I loved him. And what he said, his last words to me is still ringing in my ears. I'll die with questions. But I'll die faithful. You know how you die faithful? By focusing more on God's glory than your own. Amen? Before we knock off for the day, I'd like to make a very simple invitation. For those of you who are like, you know what, Tom? Like you, I've, I think I have a little bit of that. The I am the center of my universe. My happiness is the chief end of my life. And I need to surrender that so that I can bring God glory. Because when God is glorified, everybody wins. And when God is glorified, people are healed. People are saved. People are delivered. Relationships are mended. Finances are blessed. It's about the glory of God. That's my purpose. So right now, just everybody, if we could stand together. Go ahead and stand. If you're like, you know what, Tom? I, I, I make that decision right now to get my eyes off of myself and start living more for the glory of God. Just raise your hand with me right now if that's you. To get my eyes off myself and start living more for the glory of God. Only then Will you truly be happy? Heavenly Father, right now we repent of the sin of self-absorption. And we say, God, the best answer to any prayer we pray is the answer that will bring you the most glory. May we glorify you in all we say and all we do. In Jesus' name.